This episode is sponsored by Melting Me. Join the star of Melting Me, Nicholas Nazarian, in his journey of weight loss as he tries to teach himself how to live a healthy life in a supersized world. This podcast is an honest and open look at everything from his real life struggles to his victories big and small. Come get your melt on with Melting Me on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. Now please enjoy the show. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. How are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing okay. By the way, I was trying to get Jamie to join us today. She decided that quiet time with me up here recording and her down there quietly was more valuable. It's an arguable transaction. I think that both sides have merits. Yes. Well, I believe anywhere I am, it's got to be the better place. Yes, I agree. I do think that you have a, a unique ability to lighten up a room. But silence is also, when you have kids, silence is sexy. Well, I'll give you that. It's a, that is a special moment when children are quiet. Usually, this is where I, hey, Nick, how are you? But I have things I want to talk about. Fine, you go get it. I am going to go get it. If first things first, plants. So people can't see us right now, and they're not going to be able to see the picture I put up, so we'll have to describe it. But I'm also wearing the shirt that my daughter designed for me that says easily distracted by plants and that is what's going to happen right now i am going to share my screen with you so you can see it and maybe if i put a video up or pictures others will see it so this plant is a pitcher plant oh it's carnivorous so i'm assuming that those bell looking things are hollow and they emit like a a sweet smell or something and it lures insects in there and they die and get digested by the juices that is exactly what happens because jameson although she loves me and although she's tolerant to my plants she is not tolerant to gnats and fruit flies i can't blame her so i'm starting to bring in some plants that can pull some double duty these will hopefully draw some of them in and digest them. Well, yeah, so they break down the, the bodies of the insects. They're practically all proteins. They break it down and they start to slowly dissolve these insects, mainly the exoskeletons and the internal. By the time the exoskeleton breaks down, the internal organs are gone. But it just it's a really interesting way for a plant to live. You see it with Venus flytraps. They swallow flies and it goes down in their stem where they get dissolved. And there's another one. And I, it looks similar to that, but they're tubes. And I think it's South African. It's it's a tropical plant for sure, but they're so interesting. Well, and I forgot to describe it for, for listeners, but it's it looks like a plant. But at the very end of their leaves, they grow this long stem. And from that stem, it looks like a pitcher, like a water pitcher almost. that grows yeah. up from it and has this little cap at the top. And it sits there open and you can actually put water in them 
and that helps water the plant. So we had, and because it's a tropical plant and it, it functions so much different than the rest of the plants in the house, I decided, first of all, go get a humidifier, which we already owned and put it in the house because I should have done that right at the beginning of winter because it helps heat a house so much better when it's humid. And I, I really should have done it a long time ago anyways, but we set the humidifier up directly underneath and I'm hoping it will give it plenty of moisture and humidity, but how cool is that plant? I was looking at it at Myers gardens just recently on the trip where we, where I did the video for the Hilton stay. Uh-huh. And during that time, we saw these plants and I kept making jokes like we need these plants to help clear up a few gnats around the house. Because, you know, a reason to have another plant, I'm in. I, I looked on Amazon and all these other places and they're pricey. And here I go out to Horrocks today. I've talked about that farmer's market that is like the size of a football field. And That's I lovely. absolutely I love that place. Went out to go get some more veggies and there two of them were. I will say. I am doing much better. Only, only bought one. I only bought one, even though I think they needed to be together. They're probably family. You know, <laughs> it's it was sad. It was a rough day. I only brought home one. I think that they're they're awesome, and I'm really proud of you. One plant is uh, that's saying something. But my favorite thing about all those those different types of carnivorous plants is that they they have this this unique animalistic look to them like your plant looks like a pokemon it doesn't look <laughs> real it looks awesome actually there is a pokemon based off that it's called weeping bell yeah it, it's uh then involves in something called victory bell and it, it's essentially looks like the picture with leaves and eyes and stuff and pretty goofy looking as an adult but when you're a kid you eat that stuff up but it's wonderful i i'm super excited i want you to know you've rubbed off on me when i was at family farm and home the day before yesterday, or maybe it was yesterday, we're in Swartz Creek, and we, we had this cart full of stuff, and the lady's like, anything else? I was like, one more thing, and I ran over to, they have like three giant spindles of different seeds, hmm. and I cleared, I cleared like one of every single uh, herb they had, because it's impossible to find seeds for herbs. It, it just, it's so easy to find starter plants when the season is almost too late to, to plant them. But like, I struggled to find them. So I was like, I need this and that. I bought, they're two ninety a pack and I bought 12 packs. It's been a good day because between, I'm glad to hear that you're hoarding seeds because of course I do too. And that you're thinking of those things and they're popping into your head. I've had a conversation with Sean today and he's putting a garden in out there in California. So he's just about to his first growing season and he's talking about doing this. And he was over at his son's house and his son's mom was talking about how she grows all these things on her balcony. I just love hearing it. I just love the fact that all of these things are just being grown in all these places. These are things that so they're going to eat very local right there on their own property. No, that's wonderful. And, and my thought process was, is when I seen him first, I thought of you and I was like, well, Really, for what I do, not even for a living, but what I love to do, it only makes sense to have fresh herbs as local as possible. And I'd rather plant them and have them because things like mint and basil will go crazy in a garden. You'll never run out. You will easily have more wasted at the end of the season than you could ever use versus going to the store to buy five or six leaves for $4 that are half wilted and not that great. My, It's going to class up the food around this joint so well. It's going to be delicious. 
Well, and if it ever gets to a point where you're opening a place here locally, as we've discussed, fresh fruits and vegetables and fresh herbs go a long ways. When it comes to when it comes to professional food service, I firmly believe that the biggest difference from quality and quantity is the effort you put in, which really just means, you know, wholesome ingredients with wholesome recipes and fresh herbs, man. They, they make any dish vibrant, the smells and the flavors that you work hand in hand. And it's just this beautiful symbiotic relationship for success that I can't wait to apply in real life. Okay, and at some point, we're going to actually get to our show. But since I already brought up my town, I, w- I want to say also very quickly that apparently my edible landscape advocate, Jeff, has been working diligently with the city. And I think we're going to get permission to try out some things, Get in, you know, not put in flowers every year. I think we're going to do some asparagus and strawberries and things that can be contained within those planters. We're going to take like possibly one of the parks and put in some plants there. And I think we're going to get the first steps of moving Duran into an edible landscape. I think that that is the, you told me that earlier and that is the best news. I it made me so happy and I, I can't wait to see what they do. And I do have a little tip for you. When you guys are doing that, you're choosing plants, plant rhubarb. It's got beautiful red stalks and big le- green leaves. It's really pretty. So it's not going to take away from the absence of flowers. It's going to add to like the look and it's delicious. And people could use it for pies and stuff. You have a lot of old people in that town. They'll love it. They'll eat it up. (laughs) Eat it up. I hope they do. I hope they eat every bit of it. That's the whole concept. So it is, I'm excited. We will track it. We will put it on the website. We will, you know, we'll take videos of us doing it as long as we get the approvals. And if it works, I'm hoping to get some of the people from Durand uh, who worked with us on the show. I am. I'm, I'm labeling it right now. It's going to, you're going to edible landscaping hashtag eat it up. That's what it should say. Eat it up. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a, it's, that's brilliant. But B like, that's the, you should really focus on that. Like when you guys get it going, we got to make videos of it. Like really cheesy, beautiful ones that show the gorgeous things you guys are doing. Well, I'm excited about it. I know it's a little ways down the road and I'm using up some of this show's time to talk about it. But, Mm. and in this show, just so everybody knows, this show came from me being angry about food waste. And yes, we've been talking about food a lot. I promise I will move us off of food. Even I'll drag Nick away from the food topics. (laughs) People have been trying to drag me away from food for a long time. Michael. (laughs) Um, Good luck. But well, we want to talk about the dates that you find on your food. So that's what we're going to talk about. I, I recently watched a documentary, and, and now uh, one of the few things I didn't prep for today was the name of that documentary. I sent it to you, too. And it was a family who decided to only eat disposed food. It was it piled onto that U.S. waste 40% of all food produced, and that stuff drives me bonkers. So I promise after this episode, I want to get into some more urban planning, some more energy related things we can do at home. So we will go back into some of these other topics, but today we're going to do talk about what those dates on food actually mean. So Nick, do you ever pay attention to the dates on food? Absolutely. For two reasons. Okay. So in in my expertise, the dates on food is generally placed there as a blanket to ensure the safety of anyone that's going to buy it because ultimately in today's world, the stores can't control 
what happens at each individual place. They can't control what happens once you purchase it and take it home. But what they can control is what they produce and sell for their clientele in their facility. And so a lot of places that when they put dates on food or when they have uh, manufacturers that, that instruct them to put dates on food, it's just for the, you know, the safety and the security of uh, the product. They don't want people to get sick. And I understand that. And paying attention, I do also because a lot of things, like a lot of food shows signs of going bad long before it is. You see that heavily with fish. The, the stronger the fish smell gets, the closer it's getting to what we, in my industry, we just say it's getting ready to turn. Essentially what that means is it's, it's at a point where it's not, it's not worth throwing away. You don't need to waste it. You can still eat it. You can still save it. And there are certain things you can do to prolong its life. But you have to be able to spot that. And I will say that any protein rich, like, like chicken, like any, any whole muscle meats, shoulders of beef, rump roast, steaks, anything that's going to have a lot of mass is going to produce myoglobin or it's going to have like what I call the chicken juices. And when, when that raw meat sits in its own juice, it's all bacteria. And every time you open the fridge, you let a little more warm air and that's like a steroid for that bacteria. It grows a little more. And, every, and that might not sound like it's serious, but like how many times you open your fridge throughout the day? Right. I, I have kids everywhere in this house. The fridge, I'm surprised, even stays cold. Oh, you, well, that's it's exactly what I'm talking about, though. So if you buy chicken on a Monday, even if you don't open it, but you buy chicken and it's it's not frozen on the Monday and you put it at the bottom of your fridge, it's sitting there. Every time you open and close that fridge, that, that temperature is going to flux. It's going to change. And so what you'll start to realize is chicken specifically will start to get like a yellow color, as it start, especially if it's got skin on it as it starts to go and you'll start to have a really pungent smell and it'll get slimy. And at that point you can wash it off, discard the container and, and the excess juice and stuff. And then when you cook it, I would recommend cooking it with a high acid tomato sauce or lemon or something, something that just, just to be safe. But generally speaking, things are still safe to eat, uh, but you have to know what to look out for. I would recommend someone just going, oh, I've had this for three days and it has to be good and eating it. I mean, when in doubt, throw it out. But for the sake of your pocketbook, you should really learn the difference. I was amazed in my research. This is not something I've ever looked into, to be honest. It's something that I've looked into for this show specifically. Okay. And and it was brought to my attention because of that that documentary and mm -hmm. the that gross number of 40% waste, which is unacceptable in any possible way. Like I work with production. If someone said 40% of the parts we made weren't sellable, we're going to have conversations. So we've had, and, we've had that conversation. So there is no, there is no industry where that's okay. What I did find out is there is no federal law requiring food dates. There is no federal law for it, except with the exception of baby formula. What you, you're finding is that these are these companies save goats to make sure that they're not producing a product that could accidentally kill someone. But also, one of the things that I will say when it comes to like the overproduction and the waste of food, unfortunately, grocery stores are an industry where there's not really a lot of markup. I mean, they really don't make a whole lot of money on on the the raw products like the raw meats and, and the raw produce, and so. They had they stock so many different things 
because they don't want anyone to come in there and not find what they're looking for. Because if you don't find what you're looking for, you're not going to shop there. If you're not going to shop there for chicken, that means you're not going to buy anything else that goes with the chicken. And they really make their money on their dry goods and that kind of stuff. So if, you, if they're losing customers and they have to up their inventory, well, the higher the inventory goes, the more the waste goes up. It's a really terrible business model in terms of sustainability, but that's how they stay in business they, by having something for everyone all the time. Yeah, that's and it's not just grocery stores. I think it was actually Home Depot that kind of coined that where they sold lumber at near cost, but sold nails at a much higher rate. Well, while you're buying the lumber, you're buying the nails. Well, no, you're absolutely correct with that. But I just use grocery stores because grocery stores are one of the few places you go where all their things they're buying have a shelf life. They're dying. If Home Depot orders 57 truckloads of wood as long as it stays dry that wood's good for a long time That's you know if true. you order you order a ton of chicken and once it's thawed it's thawed buddy like you got a couple of days and yeah but that was one thing that I, I always thought those dates were regulated that those dates were given to the manufacturer when you produce on this day this many days out this is your date based on research and that's not it not it at all these companies make their own well of course they make their own but also the dates are, I'm not going to say they're irrelevant, but there are some foods, when you look at them, the dates don't mean a thing. Some foods are so overly processed and so packed full of preservatives, could they could very easily go bad in the sell-by date. They could last for six months. Yeah. Generally, it, you, don't, you don't see that with raw meat, but it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I do have to say that meat, poultry, egg products, those are all under the jurisdiction of the Food Safety and Inspection Service. So there uh -huh. are there are federal agencies who overlook these products, but they're not required to have a date. They do it because the rest have a date. So yeah. everybody chooses to put a date on there. But it isn't what we think it is. Not even close. Well, there's another purpose. Dates dates help retailers arrange and rotate their stock. And when it comes to beef specifically, and because beef is, you know, one of the more expensive meats you're gonna buy. Highest carbon cost. Yeah, well, but I'm saying all around, yeah, you're going to pay a lot for it both ways. You're going to go to the store and you're going to purchase it. And let's say it's, it's, let's say today's the 22nd or 23rd or 24th. It says that the sell by date's the 30th. So you could buy that. And, and hear me out on this. This says the sell by date is the 30th. You buy it on the 24th. Okay. Let's say it has six days. The average person is going to purchase that and they're going to cook it. But there's a large amount of people that will purchase that and they'll stick it in their fridge. And right about the 30th, go, I think this is still good. And they'll throw it away. Even though it's still within the sell by date criteria. Now, I can tell you most of that stuff is good a couple of days after that. People have no idea. I just mean Heather just had this conversation two days ago. People have no idea that like beef is aged. There's several places that when they kind of butcher that cow, it hangs in a cold room for a month before it's ever actually cut into slabs of meat and packaged and sold. Mm -hmm. they, they do that for a number of reasons, but that kind of makes the notion of sell-by dates irrelevant. At the orchard up here, uh, apples, they have a cold room. They have a room that's like the size of my house where they put apples in throughout the season when maybe they have an overabundance of one kind or they're not ready to press them for cider. But here we are in January, and I know if I walk in that room, there's still a few thousand apples in there. They're perfectly fine. They're not bad. They're not bruised. They're not soft. They just... Sell-by dates are designed for a purpose, but the purpose isn't educated into the public, so they really have no idea what they serve. Well, and I'm going to start with that because I have the, the different terms and the sell-by date, and I'm getting this from the University of Minnesota. 
So okay. in case anybody's wondering, the sell-by date is primarily used for poultry, fish, meat, which is a bit vague, bread, or dairy. The sell-by date is one of those dates that a store is should pull it from their shelves. The store should pull a product from the shelves at, the, at that sell-by date. Should is the funny word there. Because as I'm looking into this, it is not illegal for a business to sell beyond that date. No, it's just not recommended because of the possibilities of what could happen. Yep, it is not illegal for the retailer to change the date on the product. Yep. And our local grocery store, when things get close to the sell-by date, within a week of it, they put orange stickers on. They'll say manager special. They'll put a new date on it. And it's like what I can only assume is their cost on it. So $3 items go down to $0.70. Four dollar things of sausages go down to a dollar twenty-five, and we, my wife and I, we eagle eye those things. Whenever we see the orange stickers, we just buy them because nine times out of ten, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. And if I know if I'm going home to throw it in the freezer, or sometimes I just go around the store to find out what's going bad, and that's what I make dinner with. Like, well, this is what I got to work with tonight. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. So. <laughs> It is absolutely safe to eat food by the sell-by date because they build buffers into those dates also. They always say that you should have it when you take meat home within a day or two, you should cook it anyways. They do that because our refrigerators are different than the refrigerators at stores. And you make a decision. You either put it in the fridge for the next day or two or you freeze it. And if you freeze it, it's good indefinitely when sealed correctly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole nother can of worms. I just speaking of someone who literally today just threw away probably $50 of meat of things that were purchased and not sealed correctly. And then we're, we got a new freezer today and not um, sealed correctly. If they're sealed correctly, yeah. they're good indefinitely. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I agree. But I agree and I disagree. I think that still falls under the same category as the refrigerator. I now so where I used to work. They had a restaurant, they closed it, and the walk-in freezer was a roughly 12 feet deep. I almost said long, 12 feet deep. Mm-hmm. Now, that has four cooling units that run all the time. That freezer is at zero degrees constantly. It is so cold to walk in there. There was food frozen in there for three years, and I thawed it out and fried it up, and you never knew it was that old. You never, ever had a clue that that beef tender one was three years old. Mm-hmm. Because it maintains that temperature constantly versus your freezer at home. Let's say you have popsicles in it and it's a hot day. It might get open three or four times. And they don't have our refrigerators and stuff. Don't really have fans that are specifically allocated to the freezer or the fridge. You know what I mean? Like your own one. I think I avoid some of that with the deep freeze because I only go down maybe once every couple of weeks to to refill my freezer. And the the deep freeze stays closed. It's I, I occasionally recharge it, and when I when I put stuff in there, I take stuff out to take upstairs. That's how I rotate. But I, I was pretty surprised because I did not know that the sell by date was an opinion, if it, you know, or a suggestion. Yeah. And the amount of food that gets thrown out from stores now it's different. Some stores will do what you said: discount, discount, discount until it goes. But a lot of stores just throw it away. Yeah, you're right. When I lived in Corona, I had this little tiny apartment, and there was a grocery store locally about a block away called H&H Grocery. And every morning, it was a family-owned. The owner, his name was Bill, would walk through, and he would look at all his produce, and anything that wasn't as perfect as it was the day before, he'd pull it, and he would just throw it away. 
So he used to, once he realized I was single, he would just bring it to my apartment and leave it at my doorstep and leave it for me. It was the nicest guy. I never, he never charged me for any of it. I got a bag of groceries every day because he would rather have me have it than throw it away. But he wouldn't sell it because it wasn't a perfect product. Right. And that's what a lot of stores will do. Meanwhile, how much great food with a lot of shelf life gets thrown in the dumpster? Well, a ton of it. And you see, I'm going to tell you something else you probably didn't know. So as someone in commercial food service, did you know that the the federal and the state pass health codes almost independently? Like there's a federal um, expectation and the state will pass a health code and then each county has a certain amount of time. And I think it's like a year and a half or two years to adopt that health code. And so Shiawassee County is on a different health code than Genesee County is. So in Shiawassee County, as a person in a restaurant, I can open a gallon of ranch. And if it says used by, and the date is nine months away, that can sit in my walk-in open for nine months. And it's fine. In Genesee County, you got seven days. You use it or you toss it. There is... There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of misdirection, and a lot of miscommunication as far as food dates go. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next one, which is best before. (laughs) (laughs) That is Okay, so I do a little research on best before, and it's obviously a freshness date. It's a quality date. Yep. But no matter what you read, it makes it sound like this food can't go bad. That best before dates are just so for it's tied to their legal happiness of this is the best it will ever taste. It might be a little chewier three years from now, but there is it doesn't go bad. Well, some things arguably don't. There are some foods and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit home with this one. Pepperoni, salami, hard processed smoked meats. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I can tell I can promise you it's impossible. It's really hard to get on the mold, even when you try. <laughs> it's, they, uh, I'm looking at the University of Minnesota right now when they're talking about their testing, and it says flat out, okay, a three-year-old candy bar may taste a little stale. Yeah. And that's the extent. It tells you, go ahead and eat it. It might be a little chewier than you expected, but it's fine. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, they're they're doing that under the guise and assumption that the packaging is still vacuum tight, that nothing is getting in and out that it has been exposed to really hot temperatures and melted and then been chilled and stuff like that. But also, na- like old chocolate's nasty. It actually loses its flavor and its color. It starts to turn dingy white. Well, and they said best before is primarily used for baked goods, cereals, snacks, frozen entrees, and some canned goods. So anything that is sealed away from air that in theory is held at an ambient temperature of no hotter than probably 70 degrees. So nothing can really influence what's inside. Unlike the frozen entrees, which I also realized that when frozen entrees are created, they're not created frozen. Then they're froze at some point. Then they're transformed or sent to a store where they've thawed in some of that process, sitting outside waiting to go in the coolers. Then they go in the coolers and freeze again. Then you get it home and hopefully you you didn't thaw it while it sat in the cart for the two hours you were at the grocery store. Get it home, put it in your freezer so it can freeze again. You know, I will say this, and I'm not going to touch frozen meals after this. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say this really quickly. For the cost of a frozen TV dinner like a Hungry Man or a, a DiGiorno pizza, that is a lot of money and a lot of work to put into something that is not going to be enjoyable because its best possible scenario was 10 steps before it got to you. Yeah. 
and we buy them. Uh, we buy the my both my boys like the Hungry Man's, and my I what did I have the other day? I had a stuffed crust journal pizza, and I'm not saying it's the worst tasting thing in the world, but I'll tell you, for nine or ten dollars a pop, I'd almost rather have McDonald's. Well, and I'll tell you, we don't buy nearly as much of that stuff because we're eating lower on the food chain. So we're mm-hmm. it's changing everything we do. Now, I will tell you, there's always a small stack in the corner of I don't remember what they're the the, the Tortino pizzas or you know, to- uh, the, yeah, the Tortinos. There's always the oh screw it, I'm gonna eat this, you know, corner of the freezer. So I have not moved beyond that yet. I'm working on it. But I have not moved beyond. Well, as a, as a person who cooks for a living, I understand the value of having quick shortcuts and and what I call uh, garbage meals in your house. Because sometimes, not often, but sometimes you guys do run late. You do get home at seven, eight o'clock. It's too late to thaw meat out to prepare dinner. And sometimes it's a lot easier to grab that Michelin dollar macaroni and cheese and nuke it for a minute and a half, just so your daughter is happy with what she has and. It, it just it it's it works. Ramen noodles work the same way. Is that something I'd recommend to eat every day? Absolutely not. They're garbage. But my kids love them, and they're, they're dirt cheap. So, you know, thirty packs is like what five bucks, right? Well, so the next one is used by. Now, I had a different perception on this one too because I'll tell you, the word safety is not on this page. When it you, shouldn't be. And you read through all these things, it will say. Use by is for perishable goods. This is your meats, your milks, your yogurts, your eggs, that kind of stuff. Use by, if properly stored, is easily okay one week beyond that date. Disagree. Because of the buffer that they're supposed to have in there. Now, they do have exceptions. Yeast was one of the exceptions because it may not function as it's supposed to. And baby formula. because Not because it's going to be dangerous, because it may have compromised the nutritional value. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeast doesn't make sense because yeast is sealed generally in a vacuum-sealed aluminum pack or in something that has a seal. So if yeast is not open and is not exposed to moisture, it should be fine. I have yeast that's years old, and it does it's, it works great. Um, milk, different ballgame. I can... There are some dairy products that, that last well beyond their their uh, their use by date or best before date or whatever the specific company is putting on their money. Um, but milk, I generally honestly just smell it. I don't look at the date. I pick it up. I smell it. I mean, everyone knows they look at their gallon. If it's bloated, it's clearly bad. If your milk is breathing, you have a problem. Right. Jamie drinks a lot of milk, and that was the one thing she said, too. She's like, no, no, you can tell when it's starting to get there. Like, it's always right around the date. And and she attributes it to, like, our small-town grocery store. The coolers are never as cold as they really should be. So sometimes we buy one that has a date a week out, and it's already bad. Well, I attribute it to, of all the things we, we consume, milk goes through quite a process before it gets to the store. And it's. I don't believe dairy products are meant to last that long. So if it says like, um, yeah, you need to use best before use by blah blah blah, and you have two weeks on it, and then you notice that that two week mark still smells okay, you probably have a few more days. It probably didn't last as long in the factory, you know, as it could have. It's just I don't know. But we don't drink a lot of milk in this house compared to like you guys. You guys go through more than we do. I'm sure we go through like maybe a gallon a week. Maybe. Well, when, when it was the three of us, when it was Aiden, Addison, and myself, we we would we would buy a half carton and throw half of it away. 
now that Jamie and Grayson are here, it was like three cartons of visit or three gallons of visit. They drink a tremendous amount of milk. And now that Grayson eats so a bunch you. of cereal, then the rest of them are eating a bunch of cereals. So anyways, I want to move us on because we're going to, we're going to be pushing time here, but some of the things when I, I want to say when doing the research, I expected to see the word safety more. I expected to see more definitive information other than it should be good. And <laughs> every site that I looked at used that, like what you said, if in doubt, throw it out. No one talked about preparation to not throw it out ever. No, not they, they one don't. of these sites. Well, no, because they don't want you. They say when in doubt, throw it out because they would rather have you just toss something perfectly good and come buy more. They want to be in business. They don't want to teach you not to, you know, have to throw something out if you don't have to. They want they want your money. They want you as much of value as possible because that's what business does. Business consumes, and they want the consumer to consume. Well, and that's a problem. When when we waste forty percent of it, that is a big problem. So, I started looking up. You know, what do you do? Well, how do you handle it? And that's when we started going back to some of the things you said in some earlier episodes in our food waste, like. If, if the celery is starting to wilt on you and go soft, stick it in some ice cold water, let it in and it will and stick it in the fridge and it will strengthen back up. And you got a few more weeks out of it. You can do it with broccoli. If you can, uh, was it flash cold or whatever it was, flash chill it mm -hmm. and stick it back in the fridge and it will strengthen up. There are plenty of things online that will tell you how to bring these things back so you can still eat them. No one ever talks about that part. They say, throw it out and buy more. Well, yeah. And you got to realize, look at every grocery store. Everything you buy is in a plastic bag. Well, when you buy produce, it's effectively alive. It is a living thing. When you purchase it, it may be part of a living thing. It may be dying, but it's a living thing. It's breathing. It's, it's, it's exchanging air. It's releasing gas. And when it does that, you leave it in that plastic bag. It accelerates the process and it dies faster. Celery is a, an interesting one because it's almost the entire plant. The whole like celery functions as a root, the entire thing. I, when I was, in, I don't know, in grade school, one of the first experiments I remember was we got to pick a color and we would mix the color in with this thing of water. We cut the stalk of celery as long as it had leaves on it. In a couple of days, the leaves would be pink or they'd be orange because they sucked that color right up. And that was so intriguing to me as a child, but it does. It drinks a lot of water. Well, it's um, the same, same way they make those roses, the multicolor roses. Yeah, absolutely. Inject dye into the stem and it brings it up through. But mm -hmm. it was it was shocking to me. That in a, in a country where we or on a planet where we waste 40% of produced food, where a large chunk of people are hungry, that the answer was throw it away and, get it, and buy another one. It was disheartening. So I challenge everybody to start rotating the food in your fridge. Start looking at what you have. So Jamie and I are looking at we, we kind of inventoried our food recently after doing after looking at this. Older stuff goes first. It doesn't matter if I feel like chicken tonight or not. I feel like not wasting chicken. I have always been an advocate of you eat what you have, not what you want. I'm not saying that sometimes I don't splurge and buy something that just sounds wonderful. But generally speaking, like you just said, if you open the fridge, you have chicken thought, you have sausages or something that has to be used, you find a way to use it. Yeah, and I, and I am the worst. You have been to my house when I decide I'm, I'm going to cook brunch, 
when I tell people to come over, I'm going to cook. I can feed a small army. Yeah, but that's for like three. You're cooking for like three people when that happens. Well, when yeah, I tend to overcook on a regular. And I do it even at home where well, we'll just have this for leftovers. You don't always use it for leftovers. I, I'm getting better at making a, a secondary meal with what's left. But what's better is to make the amount of food we would eat. And if we run out, it's okay. I guarantee yeah. we had enough nutrients. And if we just wait three to five minutes, well, we will feel full. We just Our belly hasn't caught up with our consumption yet. I think that that's a big issue with a lot of obesity. And I'm speaking just from my personal experience. But like dinner tonight, tonight we made meatballs, mashed potatoes, and gravy. I ate my first portion and I told myself I'm done. If I want something later, I'll get a snack of something else. Knowing that I had crackers and I had some chips, I had something else I could munch on to sustain me. Thinking oh, I can get another heaping plate of something where I would only eat it because I took it. Yeah. And, but I still ended up, I made way too much food. I made, Probably double what we sh- what we needed, maybe. I mean, I made a lot, not as much as you make, but I made a lot. <laughs> well, and I, it's we're done with that, especially with meat portions, because I'm we're trying to eat much less meat. Four to six ounces of the meat is really all we need to go along with a great salad. I have avocado on the side. I had I did fry up some potatoes. Like there's other things here to eat. And if I run out of meat, there's a large amount. I have another avocado. I have some more broccoli. I have Mm -hmm. things I can eat. I don't need to just eat two pounds of meat and then say I've had dinner. No, no, none of us do. And you'll find that when it comes to with like meats and stuff, the heavier and the richer the meat, i.e. beef, that kind of stuff, even venison or any dark meat you're going to want to eat less of it and then as you get lighter like chicken and stuff you can eat a little more and then fish you can pick out on fish is so low in calories and everything that you can eat as much as you want but you don't really want to be eating a lot of beef i being a person who always would get the 22 ounce steak now cuts like i've i've eaten steaks twice this past week i had bought a beef tenderloin and i've been cutting steak out of it and i cut them at seven ounces i eat a seven ounce steak a single seven ounce steak I have not had beef in probably at least two weeks. And if we do, because we have some like tacos, for an example, have hamburger, you know, but we have not. Remember, I used to go to the meat market and just get just beef. Uh huh. It is now a lot of fish. Good. A lot of chicken, some pork and occasional beef. Nothing made me happier than to meet you at the fish market the other day. I love that store. Oh, my goodness. That cod is amazing. I love I love Donlins. I've never had a bad product from there ever. Well, and I'm about to find out how Horrocks. I found single. I mean, they're still single packed, which is not great. But it was mahi mahi piece, like a full piece. It's not yeah. the whole fish. It's it's like they took the side and cut it in half, so they're smaller portions, about four ounces of fish, okay. and they're like a buck and a half. It's not bad. You know, and they're frozen, so I can bring them straight home and stick them in the freezer. So this way, when Jamie and I are looking for something, a nice salad, maybe a plate of rice, and that piece of fish will really do it. And we won't have waste because that, after the research I did for this episode, after the research I did for food waste, I'm done with it. It's ugly. 
it is embarrassing. Well, I agree. What I also think is embarrassing, though, is when you go to the store and outside of feeding everyone a filet of chicken, like actually cutting them four to six ounces, if you go buy a six-pack of chicken breasts, can you think of a single meal where you're going to use six chicken breasts? No, I immediately have to bring it home, separate it, and freeze it. So, yeah, when we go to the grocery store, we buy a pack of six chicken breasts or seven, whatever the pack is. Each chicken breast weighs about three-quarters of a pound, so I can cut three pieces out of that. I fillet it twice, so you get my three tiny little pieces. I do it with the whole thing, and we will use two per meal. We'll use two. The rest of it gets frozen. Sometimes, and I want people to hear this, I'm a strong advocate of marinades. When your meat's getting close to turning, marinate it. Marinate it in acid. Vinegar, give it some oil, some lemon juice, give it some just give it some life, put some garlic in there, some herbs. And what's what's gonna happen is the acid is gonna kill all that bad bacteria and it's it's gonna start to kinda I don't wanna say pasteurize, but it's gonna start to make it very safe to sit there. A lot of sushi grade fish is done like ceviche is made like that, where they marinate raw fish and it's never actually cooked because the marinade cooks it. It it will give you a longer shelf life on things if you haven't, you know, used it or maybe you thawed too much out and you know you can't refreeze it. It'll give it a little plus it makes it taste better, you know. Like we used to marinate um pork and chicken all the time at your house with that balsamic vinaigrette. That was tasty. Yeah. So there's always an answer. There's always a way. It's just a matter of if we're being mindful of it. So I yeah. kind of want to challenge everybody who's listening to look and see how much food you do waste. Can it be used in other ways? If it's vegetables and you can't re- and you can't recover them, can they go in a compost? Can they go in a garden? Can they, What can you do to ensure that something comes back from the food? But most of all, rotate it. Make sure it doesn't make it to that point and get it to where... I'm trying to go where I, I grocery shop a little bit each week and I'm starting to kind of get the old stuff out. I'm trying to, and you know what? We got more cupboard space. <laughs> we got more room for things. I almost, I was a hoarder constantly because how my life has gone in the past. I've had some rough times where you don't have a lot to eat. So I was constantly hoarding food. Overcompensating. So I got to quit doing that. And I challenge everybody out there to take an honest look at yourself and do the same. It is of food waste is is an amazing number. When you go to the grocery store, look for something that has a minor flaw. Get that one because that's going to get thrown out tomorrow. I I would like to issue a challenge as well, good sir. I would like to challenge people to, to do one soup a week and maybe even if they're feeling fancy, make a quiche. And I say that because I deem those as what I call garbage foods. Not that they're bad. They're delicious. But they're catch-alls. You can look in your fridge and there's not a single vegetable you're going to have that's not going to work in a soup. There's not a single thing you can have or like a pot pie. Like find uses for those old – your carrots getting a little soft, dice them up, throw them in some broth, start making soup. Maybe you don't want to eat soup every day and I don't blame you, but that would give some life to those dying vegetables or maybe that one slice of chicken you can't find something to do with that'll extend it, allows your family to eat it, you don't lose any money, and you're actually eating better because it's soup. When you talk about eating low in the food chain, you don't get much better than soup. It's so easy for my digest, it's low in calories, it's high in protein, it's it's excellent for antioxidants, like it's wonderful. Well, and if I remember correctly, you can pretty much freeze just about every soup also. So if you make too yeah. much, uh, Jamie just made a absolutely amazing vegetable soup with like a chicken broth. And she made a massive amount. And she took a good-sized amount to work. We ate a good-sized amount at home. And then we froze some. 
so that later, once you've had a whole bunch and you don't want any more right now, later we can pull it back out when we're when we're thinking about it and have a whole nother thing of soup. And it was just stuff from the fridge. Yeah, well, and that's where the best soups come from. And and you're not wrong there. Freezing soup is incredibly easy, mainly because when you freeze food, the last thing you want is moisture, unless it's completely covered in moisture. If you have like a soup or like if you're going to freeze fish, you want it complete, either vacuum sealed or completely covered in water. Because as we all know, water rises and expands as it freezes. It only essentially goes towards the air. So if you have soup, it's not really going to do any damage to everything that's frozen inside of it. It's just going to go towards the top of the container or the top of the bag or however you have it fastened. Soups freeze incredibly well. Well, I'm hoping that everybody enjoys this episode and gets something from it. We will get away from food. I promise. Uh, No! (laughs) We will. And we will get into some more sustainable topics. This is just something that kind of... It hit me watching these shows and and through the research we did from the past stuff. We will get into more urban planning, more energy related, more home relation. But thank you for listening. Well, that's all for this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, let us know. Send us a message on our Facebook page or group. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. These reviews, comments, those are how we get found in the search engines, which means The more you do it, the easier it is for others to find this podcast. As always, we appreciate you for listening. We appreciate your support. And remember, we only have to get a little better than we were yesterday. Little bit, little bit, well, it always results in big bit. Thanks again. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week.